if we say manifestation just in its sort of colloquial sense of the term we think that whatever i want i will get but the colloquial sense of the term omits the consequences of what we want if you want to be rich that's great but then everything all the stress that comes with it you also get ganesha has two big ears hmm. which say listen first he's got two small eyes that say concentrate on the work that you're doing he has a mouth that is covered saying don't speak that much but when you speak say something of value what we want from bhagwan bhagwan will give it to us fully i don't think we know enough about indian heritage and culture at least i didn't and my attempt to find out more about it was to bring on a good friend om dhumatkar om is not only a great knowledgeable person on the indian heritage the shastras the upanishads the bhagavad gita but also a business leader in one of uk's largest leading banks and therefore whatever you're going to listen to in this episode is just not gyan or is not just somebody who is just talking at you but he is talking from deep experience and also practical tips of how he has used this knowledge in his life whether that is when he struggled as a business leader and gone back and read the bhagavad gita or read the shastras and really looked at what is it that the idol of ganesha tells you about leadership i know sounds really absurd but you will listen to the episode and learn more or why is it that bharat is a better way to really describe our society compared to india i know this is slightly political but you'll really enjoy his insight on it and also his view on it which is actually deep rooted in facts you'll also learn about some of the rituals like a havan why do we do it what is the significance what is the attitude with which we should do it so many many such practicable lessons in this episode that i particularly enjoyed to learn about and i am sure you will do too so listen in and let me know what you think so uh, welcome home on the podcast on pragyan um actually delighted to have you and in many ways i know you and yet i don't know you and so uh, this is going to be a very interesting conversation of i think unlearning uh, om and also your journey but i think the most important thing for me really is that when i've interacted with you i've seen that you are balancing the materialistic life and the spiritual life so beautifully and therefore a lot of the questions that i'm going to ask you today are mostly going to be aligned with one single goal which is of course i can read the gita of yeah. course i can listen to 20000 youtube videos but how does that apply to me in every situation in my life whether that is whether i should choose this career or that or if i'm struggling with grief or if i'm struggling with conflict does the gita have an answer for me and i will look to you uh, to share <laughs> a lot of those firstly thank you so much for having me and i'm really looking forward to this conversation fantastic so let's uh, kick this off we had a very uh, interesting episode um, so i'm sure you guys can notice usually i'm sitting there and the guest is here this time <laughs> we flipped this around and that's because um, om was over and we were having a very deep conversation like every conversation with om tends to be and uh, suddenly his ear side bleeding yeah. and uh, uh, i want you to take it from there please yeah so i mean i'm here in delhi for a couple of days i i think some mosquito must have bit me and i was feeling a little bit of irritation from on this year for a, you know for some time now and so we were sitting there and 
sort of as one does sitting and thinking and then suddenly i must have sort of scratched something and it starts bleeding and uh, here we are in the middle of a deep conversation and you know i don't have a change of clothes so if you get blood on this suddenly you know uh, someone's going to have to do a quick shopping trip um but for me what stood out from that just that moment was here's something big that's about to happen you know you've got a team here we've scheduled the time i've traveled in and there's everything is set the stage is set the conversations here and something goes wrong and the crux of managing oneself whether it's using shastra or whether being a spiritual person or not a spiritual person just as a leader someone is leading their team or leading their own life how do you react to that in the moment challenge but the real message is this that we can prepare as much as we want we can think of as many eventualities but there will be this one moment where something small goes wrong and our ability to manage ourselves in that moment often becomes the difference between success and failure i agree i couldn't agree more with you and i think you know um, you also were mentioning how you know when you're going to do something big sometimes these struggles happen because it's almost like a reminder to you that don't get too overconfident yeah <laughs> you know there's a um, beautiful point in the bhagavad gita where bhagwan shri krishna says ahankaran vimudhatma karta ham iti manyate so ahankar is an egotistical person uh, but he gives a definition of who an egotistical person is as well because when we think of an egotistical person we see someone who is very proud very vain and so on but bhagwan says an egotistical person ahankaran vimudhatma mood means dumb hmm. vimud means vishesh moodta <laughs> exceptionally dumb why because karta hum iti manyate they believe that karta hum i am the doer that is their belief yeah so we go through our lives thinking that everything is controlled by us but actually there is a separate plan you know you might want some might say a divine source someone say might be a you know a bhagwan's arrangement but equally there's just our plan and the universe's plan and sometimes those are aligned and sometimes the universe knocks us you know and when it knocks us it's actually a really good opportunity for us to test where our attention is where is our consciousness because if our attention if our sense of self is in the right place then we are available to deal with that situation if it's not in the right place if it's knocked as a result of the situations we're not available suddenly we're victims to the circumstances you know and so many people go through their lives sadly and i this used to be me in a chapter of my life as well where circumstances led me i didn't lead the circumstances life happened to me i wasn't living my life so i think you know i used the example of the geeta so i'll give credit where it's due geeta is what has taken me uh, and really absorbing me absorbing it into my life over mm. the last 16 or 17 years since i st- first started studying it um has been the difference that says you know i'm available for life rather than life knocking me around so well said you know just being also present like we did just before we started the podcast and i think how what i'm hearing you say is when you're available you can only be available if you're present yeah. because if you're not in that moment truly open 
to see what is that moment trying to teach you or tell you you're going to miss it yeah and, and absolutely and that's one of the amazing things that meditation achieves for us people say what are the benefits of meditation and then there are obviously scientific studies that say how it affects the hippocampus and you know amygdala responses delayed and and those are all very valid things and we can happily talk about it but to put it in a very simple way we are all triggered by situations all the time okay if i were to call you names certainly if you were to call me names there would be a past version of me that would react it would not respond it would just react now what is the difference between reaction and response if you say something to me or if life triggers me in some way meditation gives us a little bit of space between that trigger and our response and it's in that little space where we can choose how we want to act do we want to get angry do we want to get panicky do we want to call names back do we want to throw our toys out of the pram and you know what the funny thing is when we're having a triggered response each one of those reactions seems like the right one you know i want to throw my toys out of the pram i want to call names you know this is the right thing how can they say these things but it's only in the moments after that we live to regret them yeah so the more we can build that space between the trigger and response the more we are making ourselves available to live a regret free life absolutely i mean somebody asked me more recently that you know what is really free will do we really have a free will if everything is written and everything is destined and yeah. you know you are here for a purpose um and for me that is free will Th- that moment that you spoke about how i respond and the choice i make is just that is the only time i think in life where we as human beings can exercise our free will to choose that path of responding as opposed to reacting um this has already gone off to a great start <laughs> by the way uh, there are so many things i want to take uh, the conversation the direction which i want to take it in uh, you know specifically you spoke about ahankar and yes i think one if you can define that yeah and two if i just talk about the mahabharat right the the war really took place uh, and you know krishna bhagwan also talks about this yeah. that it's because of the ahankar of duryodhan mm-hmm. where many times uh, you know he approaches him to find some sort of resolution but he insists that this is the only way so just connecting the two things you know what is ahankar and really the cause of that war was ahankar and yeah. how can our uh, leaders be different but also as a praja how can we choose many more enlightened leaders so that hopefully we are ruled by the right set of people yeah. sorry too much packed in there but no yeah. that's it's a really beautiful question and very relevant to the times in which we live see the roots of any war you can use mahabharat the war at kurukshetra as an example but really the roots of any war are many 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 years before the conflict actually occurs and typically it lies not just in the character of the leaders but also the character of the people who either choose those leaders or um tolerate those leaders both ways yeah you know and this isn't a specific criticism of any leader in the world today it's a very general statement i mean they say the the leaders we have are the ones that reflect society at large as a whole yeah, yeah. now if we think about duryodhan for example the war happened for what reason it didn't happen because you know 
he was the right he was the son of the king and there was another arrangement with an older brother of the king who couldn't be king and therefore his children it wasn't a succession crisis yeah it came because duryodhan himself was aggrieved about this situation he was aggrieved for a whole range of reasons including past childhood trauma let's put it that way right could he have healed from those early life experiences yes he could have how could he have healed he could have healed by evolving his sense of self so our sense of self really is the best way to think of ahankar true and the core message of the bhagavad gita is bhagwan saying make sure that your sense of self is something that doesn't change and is always there and it will make you happy and feel fulfilled both duryodhan and arjun had the same sense of fear just as the war was about to kick off hmm um fear is the wrong word insecurity probably right. is the right uh, is is the better phrase arjun went to krishna and surrendered and said i am your devotee i am under your protection please guide me for the right thing hmm just moments before that duryodhan had also gone to his guru but you know what he did in his insecurity hmm. in his insecurity he taunted his guru so he actually as a result of his choice to act in that moment he closed himself off for wisdom that his guru could have given him and even at the last moment that war could have been stopped but we know what happened absolutely um and i think we keep telling ourselves very similar stories right because uh, to your point about childhood trauma to your point about how we have grown up our conditioning but we have the ability to change all of that and evolve out of it um i want to also just step back and talk through a little bit around you know just give me the landscape of the indian heritage or the scriptures because yeah. you know we always of course talk a lot about the bhagavad gita but that is just one aspect of a very broader landscape that we have yeah, you know the yeah. upanishads the vedas and how do they all tie up because i think that will set a good context for us to then go deeper into terms sure I'll, i might go a little bit broader than that as well Please. Uh, and when we say hinduism it's not necessarily a word that is native to hinduism oh interesting hinduism would not describe itself as hindu or ism yeah <clears throat> you see both yes. of them mean the to have an ism means a certain thing to yes. say hindu means a certain thing <clears throat> the way hinduism would describe itself is sanatan vedic dharma sanatan means timeless hmm timeless it's not just eternal eternal means it was a created at one point and it's still going no it is timeless it is ever renewing it is ever relevant sanatan vedic means that it comes it means there's two very beautiful meanings one is that it comes from the vedas simple vedic the other one is that it is focused on the achievement of vidya dharma path of living authentically dharma is constantly translated as duty yes not just duty dharyate iti dharma that which upholds so if dharma if we say the relationship dharma of a brother dharma of a sister that is just a title but that title is sustained by the actions of that individual say for example you are my sister 
and I hurt you and I exploit you, I am not behaving in the way a brother should behave. Yeah. So that's how I am out of kilter with my dharma. It's not my duty to protect you. It is the nature of a brother to protect. It's the nature of any sibling to protect their sibling. Yeah. You know. So if you think about it, the name itself, Sanatan Vedic Dharma, is so much more profound than purely just saying Hinduism. Hinduism. Yeah. Okay. The we have a variety of concepts of divinity, each of which are very beautiful and interlinked with each other. So we have one concept called Brahman, which is formless. The yes. underlying reality that upholds everything is called Brahman, not Brahma Ji, huh? Brahman. Brahman. Yes. Then we have Paramatma, which is that element of Brahman that resides in our heart and brings life to every being, not just human beings, but to this plant, to any animal, and so. Yeah. Paramatma. Then you have Bhagwan. which is the personal relationship with the divine that the various forms that we get to interact with the various forms that bhagwan takes based on our temperament so people say well, which is the most supreme they are all supreme because they are all representations of brahman yeah but we have to connect in the right way and they have taken those forms for us to connect with some connect with krishna some connect with bhagwan shiv some connect with ganesh ji and so on even with krishna some people will connect with bal krishna some people will connect with you know yogacharya who is giving the message of the gita yeah. so based on our temperament bhagwan manifests and that is bhagwan and then you have ishwar whose job it is to create a system in which all of our karmas can be expended you know so when we say oh god does this and god sent us it's, it's a very limited way of framing it and i'm not criticizing any other religions that use the phrase god i'm just saying in sanatan vedic dharma it's a bit of an out of place vocabulary it limits uh, everything our understanding of the concept itself becomes so limited because of the words we use correct so uh, in answer to your question we first spoke about sanatan vedic dharma explained that secondly we went into depth on what is the concept of divinity yes in our in our faith then we see that there are multiple there are six principal sampradayas or theology ultimate theologies that have manifested and are present throughout hinduism Now, I'm not saying that there are only six. There are variations of each of the six, and there are, you know, other paths that uh, are separate to these six as well. But the six principal paths are Shaiva Sampradaya, which sees Shiva as supreme; Devi Sampradaya or Shakta Sampradaya, mm -hmm. that sees the divine feminine as supreme; Vaishnava, that sees Vishnu and Vishnu's avatars. as supreme and also there are parts of vaishnavism that see krishna as supreme and the other parts of vaishnavism that see ram as supreme vaishnava then we have ganapatya that see ganesha as supreme in the south primarily but you know also in other parts of india we have kaumara sampradaya that see skanda or kartikeya as supreme mm -hmm. and finally we have a sixth sampradaya that has sadly been diminished over the years because of various forms of colonialism which was the saurya sampradaya that saw surya oh, as supreme okay. and the remnant of that we have today is in chhat puja right. and also the wide spread prevalence of gayatri sadhana hmm. is also you know uh, what we have today 
as saurya from the saurya sampradaya so this this is the third part like what are the different theologies mm. within in each theology will have their own set of texts their own puranas and so on so now that we have understood these core concepts sanatan vedic dharma what is bhagwan what are sampradayas we then come to what is shastra right now we already said sanatan vedic dharma sees its roots in the vedas yes now vedas we know are four rigved samaved yajurved atharva ved now what is in the vedas well there's a lot of stuff in the vedas yeah but if we were to classify the vedas in a very um i wouldn't say simplistic but in an essentialist way mm-hmm. you would see three sections upasana kand karma kand and gyan kand upasana kand are simplistically hymns that we chant for the divine so those hymns are contained in sections known as upasana kand okay karma kand are the practices of worship yagya havan so on come from directly from the vedas and their specific actions as well as specific mantras associated in karma kand and the third one is gyan kand now gyan kand includes other uh, philosophical sections of the vedas and the texts that form the gyan kand are what we know as upanishads now the vedic wisdom particularly the upanishadic wisdom tends to be very brief as few words are used only those many words are used as is necessary you know there's a lot of restraint exactly so how do you take those principles and illustrate them so our rishis looked into the distant past to understand what events have occurred to illustrate these vedic principles which is where we get the puranas okay the puranas then relate to again the different classifications of theology that we discussed there are primarily vaishnava puranas there are yeah. primarily shaiva puranas there are primarily shakta puranas and so on that illustrate the interrelationships of the divine and the manifestations in those six primary forms that we spoke about and also illustrate the vedic principles so it helps you uncover what is really in those upanishads because if you were to just read it and you're not that evolved you wouldn't know how to apply it in your exactly, life exactly okay. exactly so it just basically it's like 101 <laughs> pretty much yeah. and and it's actually it's not you know some people treat them as foundational texts if one studies the puranas and depths one can achieve self realization it's not like that's an undergraduate and upanishads are postgraduate no 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 it is they are complete in themselves but mm. the what they also do is illustrate the principles of the vedas and apart from the vedas and the puranas we have a third category of texts which are known as uh, itihasas yes itihasas specifically mean historical occurrences yes and there are two his- itihasas ramayan and mahabharat so then we see this broad tapestry of vedic wisdom you know that is available to us in so many ways if you want to see it as storytelling also it's there but what ends up happening is when we see it as storytelling we limit ourselves to the wisdom that it is we just see it pe to sirf story hai kya hai but they are not available in that sense to say okay well but what does this part of the story actually mean yeah we will just say okay okay this was the story this happened that happened fine chalo ho gaya you know we'll just narrate it instead of really seeing what is the learning for me in it exactly and yeah. there is a depth of learning at every step so in the mahabharat we have the bhagavad gita 
if we if we also have the vishnu sahasranam by the way it's also comes from the mahabharat okay. it's not a separate text that someone you know created much later as some so called experts on hinduism try to tell us um if we treat mahabharat just as a story we close ourselves off to the wisdom of the bhagavad gita we close ourselves off to the beauty of the vishnu sahasranam if we if we see ramayan just as a story we close ourselves to the depth of wisdom in the ram gita in vibhishan gita in purjan gita so many deep spiritual texts you know there's one section in ramayan for example when ram is building the bridge to go to lanka, lanka ram setu and ram setu is being ram bhagwan shri ram is building the ram setu and yeah. his whole army is doing so mandodri ravan's wife who is a great devotee and a very evolved being goes to ravan and says ravan what are you doing the bridge is being built you still have time go return sita and ask for forgiveness bhagwan shri ram will forgive you and that discussion between mandodri and ram and ravan is known as ravan mandodri samvad and in that ravan mandodri samvad ravan says i know what is the truth i know what i have done is wrong hmm but i can't help myself the nature of my mind is such that i despite knowing the truth i cannot act on it and how many of us are actually living that way yes we know what is the right thing you know and i'm not it's almost like saying oh others you guys you know what i know what is the right thing. how often am i able to do the right thing then we start to see not just ram and ravan as good and evil we see the tendencies of ravan in our own hearts and that sort of see knowing what happened to ravan because he was not able to control ourselves then gives us the strength to control ourselves yeah oh, very rightly put and i think there's always that huge gap between knowing and doing and i'm always in that you know i'm always very curious about how people different people bridge that gap in their lives yeah. you know uh very because we are also getting so used to immediate gratification yes. so we tend to take the easier paths yeah. uh, because we are not looking at the longer journey which is going to have delayed gratification but it's going to take me a lot of time to get there yeah. so i look at the quick you know kick that i can get now and the rest of it i'll see later yeah but it also brings me back to just what you shared about ravana that he was so evolved and so self aware and also being so true to himself you know if you're talking about even the gita where we have so many vikshepas where there are so many veils we create in our lives where we don't allow us to see the truth about ourselves yeah. and you're saying that everything around the gita is about being authentic yes. and if it's really about being authentic and being self aware what can we do in our daily lives what have you done also through your practice to really know what your authentic self is and mm. i understand it's constantly evolving yeah. but still what is that one thing or what are the two three things that we can constantly fall back on yeah. or somebody like me can learn from you to do that yeah the reality is we are all works in progress in our lifetime i can say this is the authentic truth this is the self you know all you need to do is go from here to here and then once you've achieved that level of self then you can act from that place the reality is even though it may appear simple simple is not always easy so to walk the spiritual path is to pursue evolution at every opportunity yeah and the way to achieve that evolution at least the way i you know you ask me what i do so here's what i do 
I ensure that there are three elements that are constantly in my life. One is sadhana. Sadhana means practice. Yeah. Any practice. It could be a simple japa practice. And I always say to people, a few things done consistently over a long period of time will have a greater impact than a great amount of activity done for two days and then failed on the third. Okay. Yeah, intensity versus consistency. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that is sadhana. The second one, now we see, we've already spoken, sadhana creates space inside us. Yeah. That space needs to be filled with wisdom. Because otherwise, if that's not filled with wisdom, our inner poison starts to come up. You know, um, and an experienced meditator will tell you this, that when we start meditating, the first thing that comes up is like, oh my God, these thoughts, I had them in me? What the heck? And, you know, someone who doesn't, isn't being guided or doesn't, isn't in a position to share what's happening inside will then be turned off from meditation. No, I can't meditate. How many people say, I tried meditation, I can't meditate. It's because of this. You try it and the first thing that comes up is the poison. Yeah. So what we need to deal with that poison is Shastra. Shastra is wisdom. Just think of it as wisdom. wisdom. And if that Shastric study involves uh, something as profound as studying the Upanishads, that's great. If it involves something as simple as watching a Bhagavad Gita YouTube video, it could be mine, could be someone else's, I'm okay with that. You know, that's also fine. If it means going into therapy and talking about in getting the wisdom and perspective of a qualified therapist, that is also fine. So the first two are sadhana, shastra. And the third, which is also key, very, very, very important, hmm. is sangha. The company okay. that we keep. We are the result of the people that we hang yeah. about. You know, we are also physically the result of what we eat. Right? If I if I'm having, you know, I mean much as I love pizzas, if I continue having them, I mean I don't have them really. But you know, if 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 I have them without control, then my physical health will go completely out of whack. Yeah. In the same way, if I'm consuming the company of people who are taking me down, you know, a, a highly sort of materialistic path that doesn't evolve me, then surely that is the outcome I'll end up achieving. So sadhana, shastra, sangha together are very important. Yeah. Now, of these three, shastra is available to us widely. Wisdom is available in many places. In fact, there are probably more people who are willing to give wisdom than take wisdom. <laughs> um, sadhana is also available. Simple sadhana is done over long periods of time. Sangha in today's world is something that we need to work on and find our right Sangha. And to get the right Sangha, a little bit of patience is required. Absolutely agree with you. Uh, I think two things really, you know, jumped out at me from my life experience, you know, because I also meditate and do heartfulness and I also train uh, in meditation. And okay. more often than not, the first experience of people is exactly that, where they're like, oh, you know, I'm not able to close my eyes, you know. Uh, as soon as I do that, things from like 20, 30 years ago suddenly pop up, which I didn't even know that existed in my subconscious. Yep. And that's because of exactly one is you're closing your eyes and listening to your subconscious for the first time in your life. So it's going to really come at you. Yeah. And then the second is, you know, like we always say that meditation is also a, a process of cleaning, yep. right? So when you first 
clean a clogged drain what comes out all the dirt the, right yeah absolutely. that comes out first and if you don't empty yourself there's no place for that wisdom to come in so yes. when you empty yourself through all these experiences and a lot of these the chatter that we have in our mind only then when you meditate you get that new experience and yeah. the evolution then happens yeah. you know to add to what you're saying yeah. and the second around sangha i do i absolutely agree with you i mean some people along the way just fall off mm. uh because there will always be judgment uh, when you are trying to do the more difficult thing yes uh because sometimes it comes from a place of people themselves uh beating themselves up saying hey i actually want to do that and i can't but yeah. she or he can yeah. uh you know so i'll try and pull them down Correct. and bring them to my level yeah. uh but you need to keep going at at uh, what your goal is i also want to just talk a little bit about you know the foundational concepts of the gita okay. um you know there's the non attached action but mostly around discipline you know yoga is looked upon as uh, the you know yama niyama uh, you know all of the eight ashtang yoga principles um, of course your meditation which is dhyana which we've spoken about but also knowledge and devotion like what do these terms what should they mean to people because again mm. we look at the english words Yeah. and we think of them in a particular yeah. way yeah. but the sanskrit definition is very different and the reason why i want you to talk about it also is i think when some of these terms foundationally are clear to us yeah. then i f- then i feel many more people open up to this idea of let me go try it yeah yeah absolutely and um apart from sort of using english terms with their own loaded packages we also end up seeing these as separate Hmm. bhakti is separate gyan is separate so on but they're not separate yeah. really so if we say what are the core concepts of the yoga uh, of uh, the bhagavad gita we have to understand the context of the bhagavad gita first hmm. so bhagavad gita unlike the upanishads unlike pretty much any other scripture in the world is delivered on a battlefield Yes. It is not delivered in the solitude of a forest or in the peaks of wisdom of the Himalayas or you know on the walk on a beach or in some cave no it is delivered in the din and roar not just of life but of a marketplace uh, so not just of a marketplace a but of a battlefield yeah yeah you know absolutely so that battlefield represents our own lives yes that are constantly we are battling through and making choices some of those choices and circumstances go to our liking others do not so when arjun find him, finds himself on that battlefield he has already made one very good choice that he has requested bhagwan shri krishna to be his charioteer and so as i said earlier he experiences a moment of insecurity and that insecurity also in him manifests as ego and he says to bhagwan shri krishna take me to the middle of the battlefield so i may see who has assembled in front of me you know he's like oh let's see who are who has the guts to come and fight us <laughs> and shri krishna knows where the statement is coming from so he takes him into the middle of the army not to some sort of you know lallu regiment to use the technical <laughs> phrase yeah. Yeah. but in front of the greatest warriors of the kauravas he puts him in front of dronacharya kripacharya uh bhishma pitamaha and you know the great other warriors duryodhan we may deride him but he was a great warrior yeah. and so on so seeing all of them assembled in front of him not so much duryodhan but certainly bhishma pitama and and dronacharya arjun 
suffers what we would today call a nervous breakdown because he says i cannot bring myself to fight them yeah guru nahatva hi mahanubhava and shreyan you know you start to use like how can i kill my guru how can i kill someone who's like my father yeah. and so on and he says vepatushcha harire me romaharshashta jayate gandivasramshate hasta like he starts to say my hair is standing on end i cannot think my legs are wobbly my bow is slipping from my hand finally sits down on the rath and says i will not fight yeah it's like you know when you have a panic attack or or a nervous breakdown in a stressful situation pretty much yeah and you know it one of the beauties of that being illustrated in the bhagavad gita is normalizing a true mental health crisis yeah because we live in a world today that says oh mental health is not a real thing and it absolutely is yeah if one of the greatest heroes of our time was most prepared for one battle and in the moment of that battle he had a nervous breakdown then certainly in our kurukshetras our own lives we should expect that from time to time there'll be challenge sometimes there'll be small challenge like a little cut on the ear sometimes there'll be big challenges yeah yeah so in that context bhagwan shri krishna what does he do first he gives arjuna shock treatment kutastva kashmalabidam vishame samupasthitam anaryajushtamasvargyam akirtikaram arjuna klebhyam masmagamah partha naitatvai upapadyate kshudram hrudaya daurbalyam taktvatvishta parantapa sik the language even the sanskrit we hear is so harsh yes so impactful he says what makes you what is what kind of position have you put yourself in yeah it is not noble it is not manly who are you yeah you know you daurbalyam there is no bala left in your heart yeah. that you are behaving in this way for fallen down so then all of arjun's confused ranting gets focused and that's when he said i cannot kill my guru and so before that he's saying oh if i fight this war you know the arrangement of society will end women will no longer be honored this and that and bhagwan gets him for what is gets to the point yeah. fun yeah and he says and then as a result of bhagwan's trigger not only is arjuna's mind focused on the problem he realizes that he doesn't have the answer and he surrenders to bhagwan and that shows me show me the path exactly and so it's only about 10 or 15 verses into the second chapter that the actual message of the bhagavad gita begins true and in response what does bhagwan say bhagwan says you think you're going to kill these people you may somewhere think that they will kill you or your people but do you realize that which you are is not this body it's not this mind it's not even this intellect it is a unperish imperishable unkillable not just unkillable unwettable yeah. you know untouched divine presence that is eternal it always has been it always will be so therefore act in awareness so that's where the second chapter of the bhagavad gita is known as sankhya yoga It is actually a summary of the whole Bhagavad Gita, and oh. in that he he first tells Bhagwan Sri Krishna first tells Arjun that this is who you are. Then he tells him, therefore, this is how you must must act, act. based on how you, who you are, and that's where we understand karma yoga 
एज द कॉन्सेप्ट नाउ कर्म योगा इज यूजली पीपल से कर्म कर फल की आशा ना कर बट नाइदर इज दैट इन द वर्स दैट्स नॉट द होल वर्स आइदर एंड नॉर इज इट द होल मैसेज बिकॉज भगवान सेज कर्मण्य एव अधिकारस्ते मा फलेशु कदाचना विच इज योर राइट इज टू द एक्शन ओनली नॉट टू इट्स रिजल्ट बट देन ही एड्स मा कर्म फल हेतुर्भु माते संगोस्त्व अकर्मणि which is neither act with the intention of the fruit but also don't attach yourself to inaction so what is bhagwan saying act with the awareness that the divine principle alone is that is the only truth and some schools of philosophy will say that that divine principle is bhagwan shri krishna himself some schools of philosophy will say it is the atman alone yes. paramatma it's connected to brahman okay and that is the next level of study that students should go on and say okay which of these explanations most connects with me they yeah. both those explanations are complete of themselves the paths that they espouse are complete it's not like one you have to study then you'll get to the other no they are complete but which appeals to me so you can go into them anyway that i'm just putting it as a uh, no, milestone for the listener so that yeah, when yeah. they get to that point they can move forward he says you should act knowing that there is a unchanging unending divine presence always and the method of acting in that divine awareness is known as karma yoga he then starts to give him examples of what a person who behaves as a karma yogi um looks like yeah, yeah like literally arjun says how does he stand how does he sit and so he gives some beautiful exam i won't go through all of them because you know we'll run out of time no but it's very interesting that there is so much detailing in there yes. which we then can emulate if we want to live that life correct correct and actually bhagwan uses chapter 3 chapter 4 chapter 3 is called karma uh, yoga uh, chapter 4 is gyana karma sanyasa yoga hmm. so renunciation is added and sanyasa actually is it wrongly or incompletely translated as as uh, renunciation because sanyasa is two sanskrit words samyak nyasa nyasa means to set something down hmm. even if you set a foundation it's called shila nyasa shila nyas okay so to set something what to set san samyak total so everything that you have done you set to one side i you evolve your sense of self which is where we started the discussion who yes. know yourself yeah get yourself to that level and then all of your actions just set it aside sanya so that's chapter 4 and in that bhagwan starts to speak of manifestation you know or what we would know today as manifestation but the direction that bhagwan gives is really beautiful and really deep because he says ye yatha mam prapadyante tam sathayeva bajamme ham mama vartmano vartante manushya partha sarvasha hmm. he says as people approach me so to do i reward them my path alone is the path that people are walking Now, ये था माम प्रपत्ति देंते ताम सत्यव भजाम में हम, so भजा भजन is usually we see as we are doing भजन for भगवान, yeah. we are serving भगवान, but भगवान says I serve them, भजाम में हम, so what that means is that firstly भगवान has our welfare in mind, but more importantly what we want from भगवान, भगवान will give it to us fully, which means that we'll get not just what we desire. but those consequences as well mm you know yeah so 
if we say manifestation, just in its sort of colloquial sense of the term, we think that whatever I want, I will get. But the colloquial sense of the term omits the consequences of what we want. Absolutely. You know, if I want unlimited or if I want a certain amount of wealth, through that process, I might manifest it. But the people who might kick on the way up, yeah. the consequences of that I have to get. So how do you manifest without consequences? That is explained through Karma Yoga. Very interesting. Yeah. No, but that's also because, you know, most, uh, you know, wise adults will tell you that when you pray, always pray to God by saying, do whatever you think is best for me. Because even if you look at history, it will always tell you that what that person aspired to be almost became their cause of death or yeah. their downfall in some way. Yes. You know, whether if you talk about Ravana, he really wanted to become, be, be so evolved, have all the powers in the world. And it was then his ego that brought him down. Correct. Uh, right? Or if you talk, there are so many other stories which, which talk through the same thing. Yes. To really show you that whatever you ask for, which is if you want to be rich, that's great. But then everything, all the stress that comes with it, you also get. Yeah. You can't say, I only want the money and I don't yes. want the stress. Or I only want the money, I'm not going to do the hard work. Exactly. It all comes as a package. But I think sometimes in our lives, we forget the package of it. We only <laughs> look at the shiny toy that we want at the end. And then when we get the whole package, we then look up to God saying, Ye yeah. kya kar diya? You know, yeah, now absolutely. I'm stuck. And what makes us think that the circumstances we are currently in aren't the desires that we have held in the past? Everything that we are in at the moment is either a desire of the past or that manifested through action at some stage, I'm sure, a desire of the past or a consequence of the past. You know, so what what can we do? We can either continue fueling those desires or we can stop being actively involved in the continuation of this cycle. No, so that is where really the concept of uh, Dhyana Yoga, which yeah. is really start to see in chapter 6 onwards, comes in. So chap the previous chapters 3, 4, 5 are what to do, Karma Yoga. 6 onwards is how to be. Yeah. Now, as we proceed through these chapters, one thing we notice that every chapter is called Yoga. You know? Sankhya, Arjuna Vishada Yoga, Chapter 1, Sankhya yeah. Yoga, Karma Yoga, and so on. Yoga is not just contorting our body into different shapes. Yoga comes from the root word yuj, which means union. Mm. So it is achieving union. union. So that's how we say even Bhakti Yoga. Yeah. Bhakti also means union. Yoga. Absolutely. Bhakti Yoga, completely united. You know, so uh, we have discussed Jnana. We have discussed karma, we have discussed manifestation, we have discussed dhyana that yeah. comes in the Gita, we have yeah. discussed yoga. One or two, th one thing I'd like to finally end on, which is bhakti yoga. Mm -hmm. Now, bhakti is one of the most beautiful elements of our spiritual journey. Now, bhakti, unfortunately, is seen as a caricature these days. Someone sat, singing, dancing, doing yeah. puja and so on. But those are just the external expressions. What we can't see is the stirring of people's hearts. And we can never see that. It might be that someone is sat there completely, you know, flowing with tears for the divine and in their heart they're thinking, yaar, khane ke kya hai baad? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, you know? absolutely. So uh, Bhagwan speaks extensively of Bhakti Yoga. Uh, in Even though it's one of the shortest 
chapters and i would actually there's two chapters that only have 20 verses acha but um, there are some verses with four lines and some verses with two lines so in um, chapter 15 there are 20 verses there are a number with four lines so in 20 uh, chapter 12 which yeah. is bhakti yoga there only verses with two lines each so that that's why it's the shortest chapter but i love this trivia yeah. it's so cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> in that brief chapter bhagwan enumerates whom he sees as a bhakta so we may say i am a bhakta but does bhagwan see us as a bhakta and there are really many many beautiful qualities that bhagwan speaks about hmm. let's touch on a couple of verses please okay अद्वेष्टा सर्वभूता मैत्रकुण निर्मो निरहंकारुखसुखक्षमी सन्तुष्ट सतत योगी यता दृढ़ निश्चय मय्यर्पित मनोबुद्धिमद्भक्त स मे प्रिय अद्वेष्टा सो वन हू हेज नो डिस्लाइक्स टूवर्ड्स हूम सर्वूता एवरी वन अराउंड आई मे लाइक यू but i might not like the third person there or i might like that person and, I may, and you know you might like the third person and despise me yeah. that's not bhakti bhakti is adveshta no dislike towards anyone around and if we start to say use this definition of bhakti unfortunately in our hearts we'll realize that most of us are not bhaktas because even in our bhakti we'll say i see bhakti towards my vision of reality but that person's vision of reality is wrong so advesta sarvabhutanam maitra karuna evacha that's not just enough to not have active dislike but to actively have friendship and compassion maitri and karuna maitra karuna evacha plus nirmamo nirahankarah hmm. neither have a sense of mine or i in our limited identity you know we spoke so extensively about ahankara yeah निर्ममो सर्व दुख सुख क्षमी वन हू इज फिंग इन टाइम्स ऑफ इन ऑल टाइम्स ऑफ सुख एंड दुख आई मे फिव वेन आई एम वेरी हैप्पी बट द मोमेंट समवन जस्ट यू नो इफ आई एम इन अ बैड मूड समवन जस्ट माइल्डली क्रॉसेज पिकअप द फोन हाउ डे वॉट इज दिस यू डोंट कट्स यू ऑफ इन ट्रैफिक अरे क्या है अद्वेष्टा सर्वभूता मैत्रकुण निर्मो निरहंकार सर्वुखक्षमी एज अ रिजल्ट ऑफ दिस संतुष्ट सततम योगी वन हू इज ऑलवेज कंटेंट इन सिचुएशन एंड वी गेट अ बेरोमीटर ऑफ दिस इज वेल यू कट यू आर यू कंटेंट यस ओके चलो वी कैन जज नॉट जज बट वी कैन यूज दीज एज मेजरमेंट पॉइंट्स टू आर वी रियली वॉकिंग द पाथ नॉट संतुष्ट सततम योगी one who is united the santushta satadam yogi yata atma drudha nishchaya one who has absolute conviction in the nature of their being who is authentically established in who they are yeah you know uh for that you have to have a very deep practice yeah it's Your to be a has to be very very deep to be a bhakta is not a light thing yeah people think oh bhakti is to lightweight you know do this practice and that should, huh? no just go you know go to the mandir every day and sing yeah. yes that's great but uh, what you are talking about what the geeta is saying is much deeper it requires 
constant practice. It's not something I do one hour in the morning. Yeah. It's what I is the principles I live by every minute of my life. And Bhagwan says then the rest of it is Mayar Pita Mano Buddhi. Who has arpit? Who has given his manha and buddhi, his mm. mind and his intellect to Bhagwan Maya? He says Maya is in me. Yeah. Mujhe arpit ki hai man aur buddhi. Um, this type of bhakta is dear to me. Yeah. You know, so then bhakti yoga becomes a really, really, really important chapter for us to measure how progressed we are on this path. You know, Om, this all sounds very nice. You yeah. know, I I want to do it. But the point of it is when I go out in the real world, all of what you are talking about we are not incentivized to live our lives in that way, right? So, you know, when there is a, a situation where the only way I can get a promotion is I fight with that other guy or yeah. put him down or the only way I can get on that bus, uh, you know, when I need to get to office is push the other guy out because there's a limited space yes. in that bus. Yes. Then, you know, it does not, all of this does not seem relatable anymore. Correct. Correct. Right? So, just also help me and you know the good the good news at least in this conversation is that you are leading that other life and so you can really tell me how when you have gone through these dilemmas in your life yeah. where you're standing there and saying okay I really want that job but then this guy is also there and you know I love all and I love him as well and yeah. you know how can I be kind to him yeah. or many other situations where we need to choose one over the other and then you're suddenly thinking okay but my practice and my life values come from the Gita and this is what the Gita says but how I need to act yep. is sometimes different. 100%. How do we bring that alignment? So see, even in my life there are certain, I've faced all of these challenges. How do you move your career ahead? How do you navigate your emotions? How do you deal with breakups? Yeah. How do those parts of our life intersect? Because working in an industry like banking quite often and I was in consulting before then in banking so even in consulting especially in consulting you walk through the client's door what else is going on in your life is left outside suddenly you're there providing a service and you have to be you know worth the billable time which is uh, very very high you know yeah. um, so yes it's a big challenge and how do we navigate that is also a big challenge but there is a two-step way that we can deal with this. But there's a three-step way. Hmm. And this is actually what I've done in my life. So I'm speaking from experience. One is that there is absolutely no substitute for hard work. Okay. And I've been rejected many times for promotions. You know, when I was a student, uh, I was at the London School of Economics. And I was graduate I graduated in 2008 in the year that the crash happened. Oh. And when I was applying for graduate jobs after that, uh, I mean, sorry, when I was applying for graduate jobs before the crash, the situation was quite precarious. I had eight rejections in one day. And coincidentally, how many companies had I applied to? Eight. Eight. <laughs> All eight rejected me in the same 24-hour period. Wow. How did you take that rejection? We have to understand that the world is telling us something. Am I learning? Am I changing? Hmm. See, if we are constantly receiving a message from the universe, it might be in the form of a rejection, it might be in the form of failed relationships, it might be in many, many ways. Are we recognizing the patterns? Are we willing to look ourselves in the mirror 
and say that after another failed relationship or a non-starter are we able to look ourselves in the mirror and say am i actually looking for the right person or do i have a sufficiently stable sense of self that i don't let someone else walk all over me but otherwise those patterns will keep repeating until we get the lesson oh my god so true my god yeah absolutely so step 1 is we have to do the work work is work hard but do hard work as well yeah second is we have to know what lights us up you know and that that could be our what and that could be our why now what do i mean by what and why our why is the reason that we are working or the reason we are doing anything yeah i may want to do something and earn a certain amount of money to serve my family that is my why are we always clear about our why sometimes we don't even ask it we, we just go with the flow the questions you know uh, and i was telling you earlier i do a little bit i mean i do coaching work as well typically work with extremely successful people and typically one of the things we focus on is what is the definition of success because mm. we have very 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 successful people who don't see themselves as success so to do that we have to understand our why why am i doing it and it might just we might just find such a compelling reason that we are happy to do the hard work so to true. fulfill that why you know soldiers are willing to lay down their life because their why is so strong the hardest thing anyone can do they are willing to do it their why is strong and alongside that why what what is it that lights me up on the inside am i truly a financial data analyst at heart or am i a singer at heart you know and the trouble is when we put these sort of dichotomies they say oh i can't stop being a financial analyst because i have to pay the bills and all of that yes and there's a good why for you to do that but are we nourishing our hearts whilst we're nourishing our family because the worst thing that we can do is resent our family yes that which is inevitably what is going to happen and we see it no in generations at some point some person loses their top and says for you i sacrifice so much and you don't appreciate this and that and then the child turns around and says i didn't ask for it ask for a presence in my life yeah which i didn't get which we didn't get as a result yeah so the second one is we have to be clear about what lights us up and that's also what i have done hmm. you know i've i have a range of hobbies outside of um outside of banking your very intense and, job and typically it is quite creative work because banking is a strat- i do strategy in banking and that is creative in its own right but it's also very factual you cannot be creative with numbers right that's what's called fraud <laughs> <laughs> or bad match like in my case <laughs> you massage the figures yeah. as they say so it's i paint uh you know there was one point the toughest projects that i used to do at that time i used to garden you know i used to be delighted yeah. when bulbs of tulips came out of the ground because you know those bulbs of tulips won't ask me when the deliverable is due <laughs> so yeah we have to do simple things that are nourishing us and it needn't be a change of career 
how much time are we truly making for ourselves? It's the most important relationship we will have over and above any other relationship. Our relationship with ourselves will last at least from the moment of birth until the moment of death and likely last beyond it at both ends. You know, so we have to, have to, have to understand what nourishes us. And then the third thing is do what nourishes you. Whether it's as a side hobby or a side gig with, you know, with meaningful investment of time and effort. So for example, regardless of how busy, difficult my job is, I will always take time out to share Shastric wisdom, always take time out for coaching sessions, always take time out, you know, I've taken six months off from my career, I'm on sabbatical at the moment, two and a half, three months were spent in an ashram learning, two and a half, three months are being spe spent out in the world sharing. You know, so let's do what lights us up. Yeah. And then as a result of that, what happens? We end up fulfilling three beautiful messages that we get in the Gita. So see, I, it's not that this is the message, you have to live up to it. Live in this simple way and we will find that there's alignment with the wisdom that Bhagwan's given us. So if we know who we are, what lights us up? That we know our swadharma, uh, our swabhava. Hmm. What is the collection of tendencies in our heart? What is our swabhava? If we act in alignment with that swabhava, we are fulfilling our swadharma. We are fulfilling our dharma to our family, fulfilling our dharma to society, we are fulfilling our dharma to ourselves. Yeah. And if we act in this aligned and integrated way, we will get to the point where we discover our swarupa, our the true self. divine light that is within us. So people say, oh, how can I meditate for hours? You know, I have a job to do. But if I do my job for hours, then I won't be able to meditate and realize myself. Actually, it's not separate. Do what you must in awareness that you are doing it for a reason and there is an inner authentic self that is getting expressed. The more we express it, the more we are able to attune to that swarupa of ours. You know, people often tell me, you have managed to balance both spiritual life and material life. But for me, the two are not separate. The reason I have a material life that is of a certain LinkedIn profile, let's let's say, yeah. is because there is a very strong spiritual grounding. And I don't think that I can continue my spiritual progress without engaging with the world that has come to me. See, if one in, meant, was meant to be in an ashram, one would be in an ashram. Yes. They would not be on a battlefield, which is... Bhagavan Sri Krishna says to Arjuna, yeah. you are here for a reason. Imagine an Arjuna who has got so many tendencies within himself, you know, to be very active, to be um, a defender of justice at all costs. He sees some injustice, some minor injustice happening in an ashram. He might take a sword and kill someone. Is that the right thing to do in an ashram in the Himalayas? No. So the right place for him and his tendencies is the battlefield. In the same way, the right... Our own Kurukshetra could be a hospital if we are a doctor or a nurse, a law court if we are a lawyer, a art studio if we are a painter. These are all our own Kurukshetras. It's not that painters or sculptors are doing in, you know, in intensely uh, calming things. It's very difficult if you're actually painting yeah. one wrong stroke and everything is gone. You know, you put a little bit too much pressure as a sculptor, suddenly your whole block of marble is lost. Yeah. So we are all in our own Kurukshetras. And 
adopting a spiritual perspective in our life then manifests the ways that we can walk the path but that perspective is super important to start with beautifully put absolutely and you know i couldn't agree more because i also see my life a lot like that where you know when you spoke about sanyasa and what it means i think colloquially we think of it as something we will do after our brahmacharya right which is okay after my worldly responsibilities when i can barely walk can yeah. barely talk and you know have any sense of self at that time i will go and meditate Correct. but now of course i need to only work yeah but that's not what sanyasa means it means exactly what you're doing and maybe what i'm attempting to yeah. do in my life which is use my work life as almost like a feedback mechanism for my spiritual life yes if i am not getting triggered in that moment then i know my practice and my sadhana is doing me well absolutely. and i'm on the right path absolutely but the minute i am i know i need to go back and meditate more yeah yeah see if we cut a uh, we spoke about the cut on the ear we cut a finger for example yeah. and it's bleeding why do we experience pain it's because our body is telling us bringing our attention here to the cut if our body did not bring our attention to the cut we may bleed to death even yeah so, so it's a survival mechanism exactly so pain in this case becomes a survival mechanism so when we feel pain in our hearts when we feel disappointment we have to ask ourselves what is this drawing my attention towards it might not happen in the moment in my in the moment we may just grieve and i think some situations it is right to grieve you know death it is right to grieve why did bhagwan shiva carry sati through half the world to demonstrate to us mm. that it is right to grieve why did bhagwan shri ram cry when sita was abducted he is shri ram he is the divine himself personified why to demonstrate to us that it is okay to grieve so in the moment grief but in the next moment when there's that lingering pain what is my consciousness being drawn towards what do i need to focus on this we have to think about you know and we we spoke about meditation meditation is not just sitting cross legged breathing chanting no our work when aligned with our nature is meditation itself and we will find in every field regardless of how much someone may hate their job they will find themselves in moments of being in the flow state and there they produce their best work yeah why because they are aligned with their tendencies so meditation is not a thing meditation is doing whatever you are doing doing it well absolutely no for sure and i love what you said about about the flow state because you know when the what the world wants you to do and what your tendencies are like you say converge is when you know that magic happens yeah. uh, right and you know that that is really what we constantly talk about being close to nature or being in tune with nature that is what it means it doesn't mean go live in a hut it yeah. means that you know can you really align to the nature external and internal of you yeah absolutely you know i also want to ask you that you basically what you're telling me is that when there is struggle in life it's trying to tell you and teach you something when i mean i'm sure you've had moments in your life when that has happened you know can you explain to me how did your learnings or your sadhana really help you get out of that you know whether that that is you spoke about the rejection at work but something more if you can share mm. because you know a lot of us look at struggle saying 
बट यू नो गॉड लव मी आई एम डूइंग एवरी थिंग राइट आई एम बोलते ना मैं भगवान का अंश हूँ मगर फिर भी मेरे साथ ये बहुत खराब हो रहा है तो मेरे ही साथ क्यों हो रहा है बिल्कुल एग्जैक्टली ये थाट्स मुझे हुए थे आई हैड दीज थाट्स इन माई आई थिंक क्लोज टू माई फाइनल ईयर यूनिवर्सिटी सेकेंड और थर्ड ईयर यूनिवर्सिटी एज अ स्टूडेंट आई वॉज ब्रोक एज मोस्ट स्टूडेंट्स ऑफ and as a foreign student who came from a very very modest family and took an extensive student loan to study in london i was exceptionally broke yeah so we spoke mood and we mood so i was we broke <laughs> vishesh broke <laughs> yeah so i used to be so broke that um, you know a uh, uh, subway sandwich that is considered to be like not very good food like cheap fast food that also i couldn't afford so uh one day you know i was sort of both tired and hungry mm. after a day of studying in the library so i was walking back um to my hostel and on the way i uh saw a subway i was like chal yaar let me treat myself you know like let's spend a little bit at least so i was there and i was ordering whatever for my and then suddenly two friends of my or two acquaintances of mine from the london school of economics show up mm. and they are all both dressed you know very well in their suits and stuff like that so uh, i was like okay what you know what's going on why are you dressed in a suit on a normal like uh, weekend evening even yeah. i think it must have been and they're like oh no no we just concluded the lse alternative investment conference and you know we have both got offers from goldman sachs and <laughs> in doing all of these sorts of things and i was like oh yeah go great good for you but in my heart i was like it was literally being crushed yeah and i was like here i am you know living with not much trying to make my way in the world and any foreign student will tell you how difficult it can very be very tough and you know it's like an existential question oh my god how will i go back and face you know if i don't have a job and here's these people like who've just done this conference and landed the best jobs in the world you know what what have they got that i don't have you know why why are good things happening to them and not to me in that moment i received probably one of the best lessons i've ever had in my life and it is in the most random way hmm the lesson is understand what see the signs that the universe is giving you and the sign that the universe gave me in that moment in that subway i can't even call it a restaurant really it Outlet. was a subway thela yeah in london <laughs> yeah was an oasis song that was playing on the radio called master plan and oh. the line in that is it's all part of the master plan i won't sing it but <laughs> i say the line and i know the, exactly the tune in which i heard it and i remember it lifting me instantly and there's often times when i look back at that moment and and wonder what that life could have been if that message hadn't come and had not been received you know in that way sure it is all part of the master plan very profound it is but to be able to hear it in that moment when you're down and you are feeling envy and you're feeling <laughs> broken and why me the victim and then you suddenly wake up and be like okay maybe this is there's something i need to do different yeah. uh, for me to get that job exactly 
and maybe that's not the job for me maybe something else is and i would have been profoundly unhappy as an investment banker i mean i'm just being very honest with you yeah you know it's all good work i don't you know envy them their lives but i've had a very fulfilling career because i was able to learn from that moment and do some and i say i was able to learn i got the message it was divine grace that the message landed and there are so many moments in my career where literally a random coincidence changed the track of my life like for example i'll tell you i graduated with a degree in international relations and history which meant that when i started a consulting career through various uh, um detours um due to the 2008 financial crisis which was great fun uh <laughs> I mean, it genuinely was fun i mean i didn't have a mortgage to pay so oh, it was it was an academic observation of yeah. of uh you know flames and destruction <laughs> but um i wish we could see our life like that just step away and just observe you know exactly yeah. exactly it's tough um so b- because i graduated in in uh, ir uh, i was put in consulting with public sector clients in the uk and at that time my client was the university uh, was the ministry of defense which was uh, exceptionally boring <laughs> wasn't having a good time and um all of my friends were consulting for banks so it so happened that because it was the ministry of defense and there was certain secrecy and you weren't allowed into sites i used to work remotely from our offices not work from home as from our offices okay so i could sit anywhere so i used to sit on the banking floor with all my friends and you know they'd be all talking about numbers and i'd be talking about like procurement of battle tanks and so on uh and then eventually what happened that product project finished and i was just hanging out with my friends and someone uh who was maybe a couple of levels senior came and said oh you know your project is over we have a role why don't you come and i had actually started my consulting career saying that if i wanted to be in banking i would have been in banking you know as a, and uh, but in that moment it was like be open to the opportunities that have come and i went and in that first project i was managing a 130 million pound business case which if i had made rounding errors would have got a lot of people fired not just me you know 130 million is how much It's, 1300 crore ha huh? yeah 1300 crores yeah in that's crazy amount of money and this is what year <laughs> 2010 it would have yeah. been 9 10 that time yeah so and and as a result of being able to do that well and i was able to perform in that role because of meditation and having the space and all of those things then things moved on you know um and i think the if i may add a little bit more of course to particularly for people when there are moments of challenges are in moments of challenge our worst critic most often is ourselves the way we speak to ourselves we may not speak to anyone else if we imagine someone saying those things to our best friends we'd be willing to go and fight with that person and say how dare you say this but we are very happy to say those to ourselves you know and um, every day several times multiple times <laughs> you know and the thing is especially when we are walking the spiritual path i want to say this that we are so focused on being spiritual that we forget that we are human and part of being human is failing is to err exactly you know and if we are erring then we need to be kind to ourselves I'm not saying that oh just accept everything no 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 but be kind recognize that if there's a certain negative tendency in our hearts it has developed for a reason 
and until that underlying reason is not addressed you won't be able to say say if i'll give you an example one of the uh, challenges and it might be a little bit off color so i'll leave it to your judgment to edit it or not no no please one of the challenges that many men suffer with is an addiction to online pornographic content yeah and the unfortunate reality of the digital revolution is that we find men who are in the age 25 26 who at that point have been addicted for half their lives now if from a spiritual perspective it's easy to say that that is wrong don't do it and i'm not certainly condoning the behavior but what i am saying is that there is a certain groove in the mind that has been created and deepened over time and there is a certain need that is met by that specific poison yeah so we need to be kind and supportive of each other as we recondition ourselves and definitely spirituality all those three things uh, shastra sadhana sangha will help you recondition the mind only if we are kind to ourselves and truly we cannot be kind to other people until we are kind to ourselves first no absolutely but i think also addiction comes from a um, you know from a place where you're also full trying to compensate for some deep need which has not been met yeah. you know you're trying to cover up for that i think that is one and second also to your point about yes you need to be kind yes you know you have the ability to do the you know have the wisdom do the sadhana you have all that path but are you really willing to do that and get out of that addiction i think the willingness and the attitude yeah. is also very very important absolutely and you know addiction is one of those things we spoke about trauma yes you know addiction and this is me using the words of eminent scientists uh, and psychologists but addiction is fulfilling a need that was created by a traumatic experience and gabor mate um, who is a brilliant brilliant um psychologist says has given a very good definition of trauma see nowadays we talk about trauma it's almost become like meme material oh my trauma but he gives a really good definition which says that trauma is either something bad happened to you mm-hmm. or not enough good things happened to you and as a result of that that created a need that something that was temporarily fulfilling filled might not be fulfilling in the long term absolutely and there's another um fantastic thinker in this space who equates addiction and addictive and overcoming addiction with social connection hmm you know johan uh, his name is johan hari i think not yeah. you you all know hari johan hari is his name okay uh, and he's british jewish like yuval noah hari but johan hari is a british um, author uh, and psychologist and he says that actually positive connections amongst people is what will positive authentic connections amongst people is what will help overcome addiction and i think the more we can create safe spaces in our society and society doesn't mean society at large society could mean sangha in our family yeah in our friend circle in our workplace with our partner even the more we can create spaces of genuine human connection the more we are able to help each other absolutely um 
you know and what you said about uh, loneliness is is very real uh, you know there are so many st- uh, studies which show that people who live like you know we all indians do which is in community in family uh, just by that interaction the number of years to our lives get added Absolutely. and these are fulfilled and happy lives you yes. know happy happy years not just you know you're not just living but you're actually feeling fulfilled yeah. and we are sort of losing that a lot right i mean i'm sure you know you can also recall when you went out and you were younger and we went out to play it was always going out in the park playing with like 12 other kids from the community all coming together and screaming at each other yeah. uh, also if getting out on the first ball taking your bat yeah. and walking away <laughs> okay. you know yeah. because it's mine so the game is yes. over but we don't do that anymore yeah. right uh, now we're all on our digital devices and i'm not saying it's a bad thing but i think there's just we're losing that human connection because of the extremities of us using yeah. the digital ecosystem yeah. it was easier to make human connection i feel you know certainly 20 years ago um than it is today um and what that means is we need to work harder today you know i i i as a business leader and i'm sure there are many business leaders who are listening to your to this conversation as well we need to make sure that we are creating spaces of connection in our workplace why because as adults we spend the most time at work and we may have an open plan office but in that open plan office everyone has their headphones on and they are blinkered and they are looking at a screen now that's not a bad thing i love having my headphone on because i can focus on the work that i'm focusing on but that should not be our default setting quite often as a leader i have to take my headphones off even though the noise may bother me and be available and quite often i may have important things to do but i need to take an hour out and go have lunch with someone and listen to what the situation is and make sure that they are as comfortable talking to other members of the team quite often as a leader i have to take the time and go up the line and say look i'm really struggling with this thing can you help you know and it's only when we do that we are successful leaders that then creates a ripple that reaches everyone in our team and allows them to have human connection with genuine human connection with the people that they are working with and not just drinks as 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 happens in the uk and then those people feel comfortable to go into their family home because they're seeing role modeled behaviors yeah and in their homes and their family settings create those circumstances as well and who knows then that child who might otherwise have been on the phone gets used to being socialized and saying oh look i'm really struggling at this point rather than feeling the struggle and numbing themselves with the phone very well said no absolutely and i think what you said going up the line and saying yeah i'm really struggling with it that coming from a man is very difficult because you you know generally we are stereotyped to not be vulnerable and it's actually in that vulnerability that real human connections are made Yeah I I you know I feel I feel it goes both ways to be honest yes you know there is a challenge with vulnerability um being a man and and there's been a lot of focus on vulnerability recently um but I also feel like as a man you have an advantage because we play a lot of team sports yeah. just growing up yeah and and you get that you have to work with each other and you learn how to socialize like the, you can okay maybe throw a tantrum and take your um bat ball and stumps away once in a while but you certainly can't do that anyway because you'll find that nobody wants to play with you after a while right and then that's how you get into a workspace and you're able to actually socialize and you find that that you know top ranking kid 
who and i've hired some of them and i've worked with many of them who got the best grades throughout but was not surrounded by people was not playing because it was a worthless thing to do actually really struggles to socialize in the workplace and socialize i don't mean go for a you know a a a drink or whatever after work but actually be able to interact socially in the workplace in, in leadership is not something that you can learn yeah. it's certainly not something you are born with yeah 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 it is something that we cultivate over time you know it's not something you get in a course it's not a natural thing but we cultivate it over time and i think also just just to touch on one other thing vulnerability yes vulnerability is important but one of the challenges we have in this world today is that everyone is being vulnerable and publicly declaiming their innermost darkest secrets mm. without having a net to catch them you know True. so everyone is focused on vulnerability whereas i think what we need to be focused on is healing the distinction is not that great or the the step that needs to be taken is not that great but the focus is vastly different because if you're being vulnerability vulnerable with me i can't just be vulnerable back with you because we're both saying oh we're, we're in a miserable place let's be miserable together and let's wallow together and let's drink and let's drink our sorrows and exactly. everything else and escape together yeah so if i'm focused on healing and you're being vulnerable then that creates the space for me to support you with your healing or if i'm being vulnerable and you're healing then we can support each other in that way yeah. so i think vulnerability in the western concept has actually led to a bit of a weird sort of situation where actually a couple of years after people started being vulnerable now nobody is really vulnerable you know every you end up with like the donald trump uh archetype who's like i am not vulnerable no matter what i'll know? man up <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah so and the shastrik version of that the sanatani version of that the bharatiya version of that is to focus on healing hmm. and we say to bhagwan in this case as arjun did listen i am really struggling i need you to show me the way you know and then bhagwan will say what you need to say so beautifully said true that i'm helpless and show me the path yeah. and there's a lot of humility in that where you're just you know bowing down and saying help me out i don't yeah. know where to go and then i think things start to unravel yes you know we touched upon leadership and i know there are several leadership lessons in the gita you know can you just maybe help us and enlighten us even on that um i think the most i mean we've touched on them actually through the course of this conversation as well which is you know um know what lights you up see when we yeah. say leadership actually let's let's go and define leadership first hmm. leadership we see always as something other people do hmm we always wherever we are in life we see someone else is the leader if we are in a company the ceo is the leader or you know my boss's boss is the leader or my boss is the leader you know if we see in the country modi ji is the leader or you know whoever else the prime minister president whoever it might be they are the leaders but the reality is we are all leaders because we are leading our life we are leading ourselves if we get rid of our own agency our sense of um you know being able to manifest a destiny uh then suddenly we are left rudderless yeah you know Direction and i'm not is. saying ahankar it's i'm not saying aham karta the sense that i am doing no but we have to have some degree of purusharth purusharth means self made choices and ownership of our choices so leadership is a universal thing hmm and the first 
and this is I'm not just speaking of my own so-called intelligence, but actually this is from the Gita as well. Yeah. How one leads their life, the degree of alignment that they have with their true self determines the outcomes that they end up achieving. Mm. So we are first leaders in our own lives. So yeah. let's do that well. We are all leaders of our own lives. Yeah. You know, people say, you uh, job or business. job business. Do you know? Anyone who's doing a job is also doing a business. Why? Because the product is themselves. Yeah. And they are marketing their skills and they're demonstrating their abilities and they're moving. So someone who earns, you know, whatever amount in a job is no less than someone who earns whatever amount in a business. In the same way, we are, all of us are leaders. Yeah. You know, let's become good leaders. And I think some of the guidance that we have already touched on, on should help. I'll give you one, maybe not gyan, I'll just give you one example. Kya hua mere saath. Uh-huh. Um, in, in, uh, in guiding, like I found myself about, um, uh, I'll use a more recent example. In hmm. COVID, hmm. there were work from home arrangements that were that were put in place everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it became very, very difficult to connect with others, not just physically, but even how many times will you get on a video call and say, I'm struggling? You know, other people also have a bandwidth limitation to be able to deal with that. And um, ironically, or not ironically, but what so happened for me is that my work just boomed through COVID. You know, there was a work aspect of life that just boomed uh, through COVID. And uh, it led to, I think it's been a couple of promotions over the last two years, the last two to three years. So it's been a very um, decent uh, pace of stepping up. Fantastic. <laughs> no, that's, that's a lot. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. But one of the things I realized is that um, when I got the first of those two promotions, the team that I'm going to be leading has not had that much time with each other. They've probably not had that much time with themselves because they were caring for their children and maybe other members of the family and educating them and you know being parents and teachers and professionals at the same time. So even though there was a huge work stack, I actually started my role a month earlier than I should have. And what I ended up, I mean, I sort of worked it out with my my previous boss as well, um, mainly by delivering what he needed one month in advance. Oh. But we were able to start, and that one month was just spent listening. Yeah. It was just getting on the phone with each individual person and saying, okay, well, and you know, it wasn't just a tell me your war and peace, but it was a set of guided questions like, how are you feeling in yourself? How are you feeling in the team? What does success to you look like? What do you think some of the challenges have been? So that as a result, I was able to start better as a leader. And you know, this lesson I got from Ganeshi. Because Ganeshi, even if you look at him, mm. tells you the qualities of how to be a leader. The name itself, Ganesh, comes from Gana Adhish. Gana, the attendance of Shiva. Adhish is the leader. So leadership lessons from Sri Ganesh can be obtained just by doing his darshan. How? Because Ganesha has two big ears, hmm. which say listen first. He's got two small eyes that say concentrate on the work that you're doing. He has a mouth that is covered, saying don't speak that much. But when you speak, say something of value. He's got a trunk that can uproot a tree and lift a pin from the ground. 
tells us be dexterous. He has two teeth, one of which he has cut off. In there are different stories where one story is to write the Mahabharat. Yes. So be willing to self-sacrifice. The whole, if you just do darshan of Bhagawan Shri Ganesh with the right mindset, we will unpack leadership lessons that we can bring into our lives. Now, I'm not going to sit down with one of my team members in London and say, you know, see a photo of Ganesh. But as a leader, if you have to coach someone, then we have a depth of wisdom in Sanatan Vedic Dharma. I am trying my best to share as much as I can and as much as I know, because there's obviously limitations, whilst also obviously continuing my spiritual journey. But anyone else also who is touched by this, please y'all also start absorbing it, living it in that way, and then sharing it. No, absolutely. And also be curious to first find out more. Yes. You know, I mean, I would have not ever imagined looking at the idol of, uh, you know, Ganesha ever again, am I going to look at it the same way after listening to you? You know, now it just, the whole thing just comes alive to me. Yeah. You know, otherwise it was just, okay, there's somebody out there, you know, there's Ganesh Chaturthi, a lot of go things go around it, but I don't have any other connection beyond that. But now I understand, you know, why uh, it has been made in a particular way and what are they trying to tell us? Because an idol is a way, it's a more a... a, a uh, a human manifestation of the way they see a God and what is the lesson being told to us. Correct. I mean, that's how I understand it, right? That's why we have, I think, 330 million gods in India. It is quote, yeah, I mean, that could also be taken as 33 categories of gods, a certain number of Aditya, a certain number of Rudras. But the fundamental idea is this, that as our tendencies, that is the form that Bhagwan takes to guide us. And if one is a Ganesh Bhaktat, that doesn't mean that there's no wisdom to be obtained from Krishna. In fact, quite often we are walking the path in with one Ishta Devata and suddenly another one enters our life. We have to be open to see what is being taught to us in those uh, in those situations. But that's also because you're resonating, right? In that evolution in your life, you're resonating with that idol, with that God. And when you evolve, then you suddenly start resonating with some other form uh, so to say. Would that be... An idol represents an ideal. Yeah. Like when we see a flag, a national flag of India, and we salute it, are we saluting just the fluttering cloth with three colors and a chakra in the middle? Hmm. Never. It's what it stands Never. for. We are saluting what it stands for. Ideal of the nation. In the same way, the vigraha which is the correct Sanskrit word for it. Not even Murti. Hmm. Because Murti, a Vigraha is an energized, vi Vishesh, Graha home. It's an energized, special home that the divine can inhabit. Vigraha. When we see the Vigraha, we are seeing all of the qualities. We are bowing down to that ideal hmm. that has manifested not just in the ether conceptually, but literally pratyaksha in front of us. That's why when we see Bhagwan, even in the Vigraha, we don't say seeing, we say darshan. Yes. Because we are seeing Bhagwan, but Bhagwan is also seeing us. Yeah, so it's not blind from any standards. Not like, at all. It's very alive. Yeah, no, absolutely, for sure. Um, I also wanted to ask you, you know, you did do a video around the Hanuman Chalisa and the power of it and the yes. impact that it can create. Yeah. Um, you know, people always think of it as, oh, if you're having a fearful situation or if you're in a, in a situation where there's uh, maybe danger, that's when you use it. But from what I understand from you, 
it has many other uses so if, yes. I, if i could just understand that this question yes sankata se hanuman chhudave manakram vachana dhyanu jalave when crises moments come hanuman can save you hmm. but a good business manager a good ceo is someone who manages their business in such a way that crises are less likely to occur Absolutely. sometimes there's a market crisis you can't help it but we won't create self created crisis in this even with our health a person who we consider healthy is not someone who starts their physio after a fracture but actively maintains their health in such a way that that fracture doesn't occur you know a good ceo is someone who may experience inconveniences but not crises yeah and if you can turn a crisis into an inconvenience that is good leadership so in the same way hanuman chalisa builds our resilience in such a way creates a presence that we have as a result of chanting chanting especially with understanding mm-hmm. that it is less likely that we find ourselves in situation of crises you know and why not because the situations won't come if i had to bleed through my ear i had to bleed through my ear but what sadhana of hanuman chalisa gives me is the ability to deal with that situation you could have completely lost it and not been a, not had such a wonderful conversation as we are having right now but it's not my ability that i was able to act in that way it was the result of the sadhana and you know i really wish that as bharatiyas we understand the potency of of these tools that we have been given yeah. because i find having worked all over the world that amongst the most dedicated and hard working people you will find are bharatiyas but often times what happens is we work very very hard and some minor glitch comes in the way and we lose everything mm. or we lose our entire composure but we are born in the land where these tools emerged they are ours to use yeah let's make use of them let's tap into it uh, definitely yeah no you spoke about uh, bharatiyas right and the current debate is around you know suddenly we were not called india but bharat <laughs> uh, and uh, so what is that spiritual connection uh, to that term and you know i'm i'm actually very excited that it's being moved to being called bharat yeah. uh, not that i have a leaning in either direction yeah. but i think it just feels more like home and taps into the indian heritage that we have yeah i think that's an excellent question thank you for asking it um see there's a constitutional debate which uh, actually constitutionally bharat and india are equated as it were yeah. so th- the situation has emerged you know i'm sure because of various political considerations which i don't want to go into um but constitutionally they're equitable now spiritually what does bharat mean in one way bharat got its name from raja bharat no one disputes that but what does the word bharat itself mean hmm. there are so many beautiful meanings one is bhaya ratam iti bharatam bha represents light rata means pursuit of light in the vedas itself light self knowledge is personified as light bhagwan surya was one of the sampradayas because there is light and illumination 
in the Katopanishad it says, Natatra Suryo Bhati na Chandratarakam, Nema Vidyuto Bhanti Kutoya Magnihi, Tameva Bhanta Manubhati Sarvam, Tasya Bhasa Sarvam Edam Vibhati. It says, I am not able to see the sun, the moon, the stars, I am not even able to see a small lamp without first seeing the light that is within me and having seen that light, I am able to see everything else. So, a land which is dedicated to the pursuit of self-knowledge, Bhaya Ratam Iti Bharatam, is Bharat. Beautiful. The second meaning, Bhasi Ramate Iti Bharatam, having experienced this light, ye bhas ne ke baad, abhas aane ke baad, having experienced this light, Ramate, that land which revels is Bharat. Oh. And a third meaning, hmm. Bha, light of self-knowledge, Ka Rath, the chariot that takes this knowledge out to the world, that is Bharat. Oh, lovely. Absolutely. We should become that. And we are that in many ways. I feel that there is a global need, that the world needs Bharat. Hmm. Because we have tried different economic systems, we have tied different systems of organizing ourselves. And actually, this is not a political statement against any country. No, not at all. But we have found that the only thing that has been created globally is a sense of scarcity. And Bharata, as we understand it, comes inbuilt with a sense of optimism, inbuilt with a sense of abundance. And this is actually said in the Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavan says that if you sacrifice, then you get rain. Now, rain could be rain itself, physical rain. But the conditions for abundance, even in banking, we use the term for someone who creates liquidity as rainmaker. Yes. It's raining money. It's raining wealth. So, sacrifice creates the conditions for abundance. Rain. Rain creates food which is sustenance, food create people, mm. which creates a land that is sustained by sacrifice. This sort of self-effacement in some small way for the benefit of others. It's like a parent sacrificing a little bit of sleep for the welfare of the child. A mother sacrificing a little bit of food so the child sleeps with a full stomach. stomach. This idea then gave rise to the mightiest civilization. If you say, Bharat sone ki chidiya thi, everyone talks, kab thi bhai? <laughs> That time where under the leadership or the guidance, mentorship of Chanakya, Chandragupta was able to re-establish the Magad Empire. Yeah. And as a result, at early in his career, what happened? There was this one point where Chandragupta got very angry with Chanakya. Hmm. Why? Because Chanakya had imprisoned all of the merchants of the of the capital city, Patliputra, now Patna. And he went to him and said, how can you imprison all of these uh, merchants? Our kingdom depends on them. You can't just throw them in jail. Yeah. You know, and he said, uh, yeah, but they were evading taxes. I mean, tax evasion? <laughs> really? That's not a big deal. <laughs> and even now we see how many people are evading taxes. How many companies are evading taxes? And how many countries and their governments are turning a blind eye to tax evasion? In some cases, countries are incentivizing it. So it's like, you know, you're making it happen so others lose out and you're gaining from exactly. it. Exactly. And what Chanakya said, which lines up perfectly with Bhagwan Sri Krishna's example of sacrifice and rain and sustenance and so on. He said that water in the form of streams 
joins a mighty river. That river gathers all of the stream water and flows into the ocean. Mm. That flow, that ocean evaporates to form the clouds. And that cloud then rains onto the land to nourish the streams. There is a cycle in motion. That water is the wealth of society. The contribution that individuals are making in their own business are the streams and rivers that are created. The government utilizing these contributions mm. is the creation of the clouds. The benefit of the government's correct utilization of that water through the creation, as exemplified by the creation of clouds, is what is then able to sustain society and create the conditions for future prosperity. If we put a stop at any one of them, the whole system is out of sync. Now, is that message going to go today? Unlikely. Is that message going to go tomorrow? Maybe. But what do we need for the message to go tomorrow? It means that Bharatiyas need to start acting like Bharatiyas, which means that we need to reconnect with the great storehouse of wisdom that we have got and walk the processes that we have been taught and be the company for each other. Shastra, Sadhana, Sangha. Yeah. And therefore then become Bharat for the rest of the world. And then that is the real influence that Bharat can have. It's not purely, I mean, military projection and all of those things are fine. Economic strength is fine. But we have this amazing spiritual knowledge yes. which can allow everyone to become that yes. not just you know have i think the western culture and i'm not i'm not down talking them but i'm just saying that we're just so incentivized to always have to hold to keep you know have a car have a house have a this but i think in our culture to to you to what you said having is important but why don't you become something why don't you have an experience so that you can become because that's the only thing the atman that you said when you become that, that's the only thing you're going to carry forward. All the rest, rest of it is going to left, be left right behind here. Yeah. So why not invest in that becoming? Yeah. Uh, and I think we have that ability to do that because of the knowledge that we have. Yeah. And that's when we can evolve. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I would love to sort of wrap this up here because I think there's so much you've given us. And this example is exactly how and the approach with which if we were to live our lives, I think abundance will come our way. Yeah. No, for sure. This has been an absolute incredible conversation. And, you know, I can go on for many more hours because I have so many questions. And I think, you know, we align on so many things that, uh, you know, I can go do this for many, many hours. But I think, uh, you know, I want to wrap this up here. But it's been really amazing talking to you. I hope you can come back. And, uh, you know, we don't want to lose you to London again. So keep coming <laughs> back uh, and sharing your knowledge. Of course, your channels are there. And I... I absolutely love that you're doing this on YouTube because this is really what is required. Um, you know, sometimes it's very difficult to pick up that book or have a concerted effort to know about this when our lives are so busy. Yeah. But it's very easy to turn on a YouTube 10-minute video when you're on your way to work and learn something new and try and use it in your uh, in your life, make it practicable yeah. uh, and then try and see what magic it unlo unlocks for you. So yes. thank you so much for sharing this. Uh, may I say one last thing? Of course. Just, uh, it's not so much a plug as just a bit of an opportunity for me to continue serving is that uh, because I'm in India for another couple of months and I've taken a sabbatical from work, I have a little bit more time than usual. I have an opportunity to serve 
leaders especially mm-hmm. in the form of coaching work that i'm doing now this has two impacts it's paid coaching it's mostly focused on executives um just because i feel like they can have the biggest impact through their team so typically of the course. people i work with are senior business leaders or co-founders or you know that's mainly the type of um i understand the profile the profile exactly and uh i'm hoping that by doing putting myself out there a little bit more we'll be able to impact a little bit more people it's paid of course but we'll be able to impact a little bit more um in the in the country so if anyone wishes to get connected and it's not just in in india and stuff like that most of my people are all over the world that i'm working with if anyone feels so inspired then please find me on instagram drop me a line and then i have a team who can get something scheduled no, we'll uh, we'll uh, stick the link in in the description of the of the youtube episode so folks can go in there and uh, you know find you and make sure they can sign up for the leadership course Wonderful. i think we'd love that you know because we need value based leadership that's what's going to help corporates also grow and really imbibe what you're saying in our being every day yeah. not just one hour in the morning thank you so much for having me it's been such a pleasure being here i'm sure someone will tell us how much time has passed at the end of it <laughs> but it doesn't feel like a moment has passed it's really been really beautiful um and i think this has been an opportunity for me also to serve your audience so thank you for giving me that opportunity and my only ask would be let's stay connected as long as i can i will try and do as much coaching as long as i can i will try and reply to every individual messages that i get on my youtube channel uh and and as many dms as possible um at some stage that may become impossible and i'm assuming that will be a good thing because the volume of activity will be so high but until that day comes i'm around so let's it's connect. a good problem to have and <laughs> it's been a privilege having you thank you thank awesome. you <laughs>